Section 10 of Gentle Measures in the Management and Training of the Young. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gentle Measures in the Management and Training of the Young by Jacob Abbott. Methods Exemplified. In order to give a more clear idea of what I mean by forming habits of obedience in children by methods other than those connected with a system of rewards and punishments, I will specify some such methods, introducing them, however, only as illustrations of what is intended. For, while in retrospect to rewards and punishments, something like special and definite rules and directions may be given. These other methods, as they depend on the tact, ingenuity, and inventive powers of the parents for their success, depend also in great measure upon these same qualities for the discovery of them. The only help that can be received from without must consist of suggestions and illustrations, which can only serve to communicate to the mind some general ideas in respect to them, recognizing the right number one a very excellent effect is produced in forming habits of obedience in children by simply noticing their good conduct when they do right and letting them see that you notice it when children are at play upon the carpet and their mother from time to time calls one of them mary we will say to come to her to render some little service it is very often the case that she is accustomed when mary obeys the call at once leaving her play immediately in coming directly to say nothing about prompt obedience but to treat it as a matter of course it is only in the cases of failure that she seems to take notice of the action when mary greatly interested in what for the moment she is doing delays her coming she says you ought to come at once mary when i call you and not make me wait in this way in the cases when mary did come at once she had said nothing mary goes back to play after the reproof a little disturbed in mind at any rate and perhaps considerably out of humour now mary may perhaps be in time induced to obey more promptly under this management but she will have no heart in making the improvement and she will advance reluctantly and slowly if at all but if at the first time that she comes promptly and then after doing the errand is ready to go back to her play her mother says you left your play and came at once when i called you that was right it pleases me very much to find that i can depend upon your being so prompt even when you are at play mary will go back to her play pleased and happy and the tendency of the incident will be to cause her to feel a spontaneous and cordial interest in the principle of prompt obedience in time to come johnny is taking a walk through the fields with his mother he sees a butterfly and sets off in chase of it when he has gone away from the path among the rocks and the bushes as far as his mother thinks is safe she calls him to come back in many cases if the boy does not come back at once in obedience to such a call he would perhaps receive a scolding if he does come back at once nothing is said in either case no decided effect would be produced upon him but if his mother says johnny you obeyed me at once when i called you it must be hard when you're after a butterfly and think you have almost caught him to stop immediately and come back to your mother when she calls you but you did it johnny will be led by this treatment to feel a desire to come back more promptly still the next time a caution of course there is endless variety of ways by which you can show your children that you notice and appreciate the efforts they make to do right doubtless there is a danger to be guarded against to adopt the practice of noticing and commending what is right 
and paying no attention whatever to what is wrong, would be a great perversion of this counsel. There is a danger more insidious than this, but still very serious and real, of fostering a feeling of vanity and self-conceit by constant and inconsiderate praise. These things must be guarded against, and to secure the good aimed at, and at the same time to avoid the evil, requires the exercise of the tact and ingenuity which had been before referred to. But with proper skill and proper care, the habit of noticing and commending, or even noticing alone when children do right, and of even being more quick to notice and to be pleased with the right, than to detect and be dissatisfied with the wrong, will be found to be a very powerful means of training children in the right way. Children will act with a great deal more readiness and alacrity to preserve a good character, which people already attribute to them, than to relieve themselves of the opprobrium of a bad one, which they are charged. In other words, it is much easier to allure them to what is right than to drive them from what is wrong. Giving Advice Number 2 there is perhaps nothing more irksome to children than to listen to advice given to them in a direct and simple form, and perhaps there is nothing that has less influence upon them in the formation of their characters than advice so given, and there is good reason for this, for either the advice must be general, and of course more or less abstract, when it is necessarily in a great measure lost upon them, since their powers of generalization and abstraction are not yet developed or else, if it is practical and particular at all, it must be so with reference to their own daily experience in life, in which case it becomes more irksome still, as they necessarily regard it as an indirect mode of fault-finding. Indeed, this kind of advice is almost certain to assume the form of half-concealed fault-finding, for the subject of the counsel given would be, in almost all cases, suggested by the errors or shortcomings or failures which had been recently observed in the conduct of the children. The art, then, of giving to children general advice and instruction in respect to their conduct and behavior consists in making it definite and practical, and at the same time contriving some way of divesting it entirely of all direct application to themselves in respect to their past conduct. Of course, the more we make it practically applicable to them in respect to the future, the better. There are various ways of giving advice of this character. It requires some ingenuity to invent them, and some degree of tact and skill to apply them successfully. But the necessary tact and skill would be easily acquired by any mother whose heart is really set upon finding gentle modes of leading her children into the path of duty. James and His Cousins James, going to spend one of his college vacations at his uncle's, was taken by his two cousins, Walter and Anne, eight and six years old, into their room. The room was all in confusion. There was a set of bookshelves upon one side, the books upon them lying tumbled about in all directions. There was a case containing playthings in another place, the playthings broken and in disorder, and two tables, one against the wall and the other in the middle of the room, both covered with litter. Now, if James had commenced his conversation by giving the children a lecture on the disorder of their room, and on the duty on their part of taking better care of their things, the chief effect would very probably have been simply to prevent their wishing to have him come again to their room. But James managed the case differently. 
after going about the room for a few minutes with the children and looking with them at their various treasures and admiring what they seemed to admire but without finding any fault he sat down before the fire and took the children upon his lap one upon each knee and began to talk to them anne had one of her picture books in her hand some of the leaves torn and the rest defaced with dog ears now walter said james i'm going to give you some advice i'm going to advise you what to do and how to act when you go to college by and by you will grow to be a young man and will then perhaps go to college the idea of growing to be a young man and going to college was very pleasing to walter's imagination and brought his mind into what may be called a receptive condition that is into a state to receive readily and entertain with favor the thoughts which james was prepared to present james then went on to draw a very agreeable picture of walter's leaving home and going to college with many details calculated to be pleasing to his cousin's fancy and came at length to his room and to the circumstances under which he would take possession of it then he told him of the condition in which different scholars kept their respective rooms how some were always in disorder, and everything in them topsy-turvy so they had no pleasant home or home-like aspect at all, while in others everything was well arranged and kept continually in that condition, so as to give the whole room, to everyone who entered it, a very charming appearance. The books on their shelves were all neatly arranged, he said, all standing up in order, those of a like size together. Jump down, Anne, and go to your shelves, and arrange the books on the middle shelf in that way, to show him what I mean. Anne jumped down, and ran with great alacrity to arrange the books according to the directions. When she had arranged one shelf, she was proceeding to do the same with the next, but James said she need not do any more then. She could arrange the others if she pleased at another time, he said. But come back now, he said, and hear the rest of the advice. I advise you to keep your bookshelves in nice order at college, he continued, and so with your apparatus and your cabinet. For at college, you see, you will perhaps have articles of philosophical apparatus and a cabinet of specimens instead of playthings. I advise you, if you should have such things, to keep them all nicely arranged upon their shelves. Here James turned his chair a little, so that he and the children could look towards the cabinet of playthings. Walter climbed down from his cousin's lap and ran off to that side of the room, and there began hastily to arrange the playthings. Yes, said James, that is the way, but never mind that now. I think you will know how to arrange your philosophical instruments in your cabinet very nicely when you are in college, and you can keep your playthings in order in your room here while you are a boy, if you please. But come back now and hear the rest of the advice. So Walter came back and took his place upon james's knee again and i advise you continued james to take good care of your books when you are in college it is pleasanter at the time to use books that are clean and nice and then besides you will like to take your college books with you after you leave college and keep them as long as you live as memorials of your early days and you will value them a great deal more if they are in good order here anne opened the book which was in her hand and began to fold back the dog's ears and to smooth down the leaves the principle involved 
in a word by the simple expedient of shifting the time in the imagination of the children when the advice which he was giving them would come to its practical application he divested it of all appearance of fault-finding in respect to their present conduct and so secured not merely its ready admission but a cordial welcome for it in their minds any mother who sees and clearly apprehends the principle here illustrated and has ingenuity enough to unveil herself of it will find an endless variety of modes by which she can make use of it to gain easy access to the hearts of her children for instructions and counsels which when they come in the form of fault-finding advice make no impression whatever expectations of results must be reasonable some persons however who read without much reflection and do not clearly see the principle involved in the case above described and do not understand it as it is intended that is as a single specimen or example of a mode of action capable of an endless variety of applications will perhaps say oh that was all very well james's talk was very good for the purpose of amusing the children for a few minutes while he was visiting them but it is idle to suppose that such a conversation could produce any permanent or even lasting impression upon them still less that it could work any effectual change in respect to their habits of order that is very true in the work of forming the hearts and minds of children it is line upon line and precept upon precept that is required and it cannot be claimed that one such conversation as that of james is anything more than one line but it certainly is that it would be as unreasonable to expect that one single lesson like that could effectually and completely accomplish the end in view as that one single watering of a plant will suffice to enable it to attain completely its growth and enable it to produce in perfection its fruits or its flowers but if a mother often clothes thus the advice or instruction which she has to give to her children in some imaginative guise like this advising them what to do when they are on a journey for example or when they are making a visit at the house of a friend in the country or in the case of a boy what she would counsel him to do in case he were a young man employed by a farmer to help him on his farm or a clerk in a store or a sea captain in charge of a ship or a general commanding a force in the field if a girl what dangers or what undesirable habits or actions she should avoid when travelling in europe or when as a young lady she joins in picnics or goes on excursions or attends concerts or evening parties or in any of the countless other situations which it is pleasant for young persons to picture to their minds introducing into all so far as her ingenuity and skill enable her to do it interesting incidents and details she will find that she is opening to herself an avenue to her children's hearts for the sound moral principles that she wishes to inculcate upon them which she can often employ easily pleasantly and very advantageously both to herself and to them when a child is sick it may be of little consequence whether the medicine which is required is agreeable or disagreeable to the taste but with moral remedies the case is different sometimes the whole efficiency of the treatment administered as a corrective for a moral disorder depends upon the readiness and willingness with which it is taken to make it disagreeable consequently in such cases is to neutralize the intended action of it a result which the methods described in this chapter greatly tend to avoid End of section 10.